This is the Saddled Stallion Podcast, where men are equipped and encouraged to understand their wiring, clarify their mission, and find purpose along the path to its fulfillment. I'm your host, Chad Kanyer, and I'm stoked to have you here. Let's roll. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. It has been a very long time. It's been four months, actually, since I last recorded, since I last put anything out. That number surprises me because in my mind it's been, hey, you got to get back and do that, man. You love doing that. It's something you really want to do, something that you really enjoy doing. But I haven't done it, and I'm going to explain why. And I think I learned a ton. I know I learned a ton through what I've recently gone through, and I'm sure that there are commonalities between it and your experience, whether prior or current or future, something that you'll go through in the future, and this will be something that you can reference, or this is something that it might trigger in your brain and help you navigate that difficult season. I'm going to give you an overview of what my last four months have been like, the issue, etc. And then I have broken down some of the key lessons I think I've learned. Like I keep saying I think, I think I've learned that lesson. No, the lessons I've learned <laughs> genuinely through this season. And I'm, I'm exiting this season this coming Friday. And so I'm very, I'm very excited. Um, but, you know, we can't rush ahead without taking stock of where we are, where we've been, and what the last season was for. Why did I go through that? What did I learn from that, right? I love the quote, if we never evaluate the past, if we never learn from the past, then we are bound to repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Now, I probably just destroyed the original quote, but you get my point. I... Um, went through kind of a career shift recently, didn't even change companies, changed clients within the same company. Uh, I work at a consulting firm, and so they shift you around here and there. Usually as a management consultant, uh, you're spending between six months and two years, two years being the long side of it, on a client engagement, and then they shift you around um, they say that it's for your personal development, and partially it definitely is, right? You can't just stay on one project till you're blue in the face. Realistically, um, they're shifting you to potentially backfill you with one or two resources, and that's how they grow the consulting firm. That's how they spread their presence throughout that client and onto new clients is they constantly move resources around. They also make you more dynamic. So it's not all negative, but one real component of it is that they are able to replace you um, if you've done a good job with one or two uh, substitute uh, resources, essentially fill in resources. And then that's how they grow the firm. That's what they did with my position in one area of this company. And then they shifted me over to honestly the complete opposite side of the company I was very comfortable and very confident and very happy in my prior role. I had been there for 13 months or something like that. Really didn't feel like a consultant, really felt like a team member. Loved my boss, loved my bosses. I had about five. Um, 
at a certain level, you're working with multiple managers and their managers and their senior managers, national managers and group managers and a lot of leaders. Uh, but you, you essentially work for all of them and you build cool rapport with them and you get things done and you learn and you grow and you build relationships in that nucleus and also outside that nucleus based on the projects and based on the things you're working on. And I loved it. I, I loved the actual work. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought that my personal style was appreciated. My efficiency, my transparency, I'm a very transparent person. If you've listened for more than five minutes, you know that. Painfully transparent. And that doesn't change at work. I mean, obviously, I have a little bit more tact, but it doesn't change at work. I am who I am. I'm very transparent. Um, And my accountability, my appreciation for holding people accountable, including myself, and inviting people to hold me accountable. Again, that's kind of an extension of transparency. That's just my style. Um, That's how I operate. I felt like it really did well here. I, I had... Tons of fans um, in this circle, tons of subject matter expertise in this space, and I had really developed a good a, a good base of knowledge, and so I felt effective. I wasn't overmanaged, right? I had some lateral mobility, and people just let me kind of do my thing. The work was actually very challenging. I worked very hard. I remember talking to my wife, uh, must have been January, February of this year, twenty twenty one, and saying, "I am completely." slammed like uh, it's and you know by the way having kids at home during covid when your wife works full-time as well three little kids by the way under six okay it's it adds a level of stress and pressure that is just completely it's (laughs) it's unheard of it's it's un it's hard to metric it unless you're going through it it's hard to understand what parents have gone through during the covid season especially if they both work Unless you are one of those parents and employers have acted like it's just, oh yeah, it's kind of, you know, we're all right. Everyone's working from home. You're welcome for the flexibility. No, 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 no. You thank you for the flexibility, but between calls, I'm changing diapers between calls. I'm negotiating with my wife. What, what's going to happen between one fifteen and two fifteen? Do I squeeze in a workout? Do I prep for my next call? Do I put the finishing touches on that deck that's going in front of a senior manager? What do I do with that time and how much goodwill have I built up with my wife in order to negotiate for that time? It's not fair. It's not normal. It's not healthy by any stretch. And we've been doing it for 18 months. Okay. It's insane. It's insane. Anyway, little diversion there, but a lot of people who are working from home and have working wives or working husbands who are listening to this you're probably like, oh my gosh, thank you for finally saying that. It's freaking insane what's happening right now. We need the kids to go back to school. My kids start tomorrow, which is ah, amazing. (laughs) I love my kids. They need to go to school. Okay, I'm back on my subject now. I got pulled out of that situation that I was enjoying, that I was really thriving in. And yeah, there were some negatives. There's negatives with everything, right? I was overworked. In fact, I felt like people were relying on me a little bit too much. It was kind of like, hey, think for yourself. I know I'll, I'll, I'll lean in and take care of it, but my Lord, I need some help here. And I remember venting about that to my wife. And, you know, it's time for a change. Like, I, I, I admit, I agree, um, it was time for a change. So uh, my partner uh, shifted me over to a different client account, and it came with it, you know, lots of different kinds of challenges, Um the biggest issue that I had was not the subject matter because the subject matter was very dry. It's something I'm really not interested in, but 
I'm a consultant. I've done this a lot. I've been in consulting for 10 years. And so I'm constantly shifting to new projects. And honestly, out the gate, everything's a little boring or everything's a little bit like, why am I here? Who cares? And you just have to dive in. And then while you build the subject matter expertise and the relationships, it just gets more interesting to you. And I truly believe that in order to be effective anywhere, in order to be innovative anywhere, you have to have a base knowledge, right? Part of the problem with our generation is that we want to run around innovating, but we don't even have, we don't even have enough experience in our careers to understand the potential innovation opportunities. Like the most successful businesses, in my mind, they're created as spinoffs off of kind of mothership companies that have already been established, but there's tons of opportunity for innovation, but they needed to work there for at least a year, two years, three years, five years to identify the opportunities for innovation. We're trying to short circuit the whole thing and it's just not working out. So we end up like faking like we're all entrepreneurs, but we're not innovating anything. We're just trying to be completely independent and we usually pay the price. Anyway, uh, again, back to my subject, I went to this new group and the biggest issue was not the subject matter. The biggest issue was that they did not appreciate those three things I talked about earlier that are just naturally the way I operate, right? It was a personal style thing. I am transparent. I'm transparent about what I know. I'm transparent about what I don't know. I'm transparent about what needs to get done. And as the team leader, I'm going to say things like, hey, where are we at on that? That was supposed to be there three or four days ago. What's up? And I don't care who's in the room when I say that. If I committed to something and I didn't deliver on it, I don't care who's there. You can call me out because at the end of the day, I'm rooting for you. We're on the same team. I'm not calling you out for personal reasons. We're at work. I'm trying to get it done. I make a million mistakes, but call me out, get me back on track. And then I have a chance to defend myself or make an excuse or, or say, Hey, I deprioritize it or whatever, but we're going to be transparent about what's going on. See, that transparency factor only works if there's a common understanding that we're all in this together, that we're all human, that we're all making mistakes every day, all day, and that we can constantly get better and that we are, we are charged with making each other better. In the wrong environment, transparency is actually toxic to that environment. It's actually the opposite way, but to them, to the environment, especially if it's an established environment like this one that I entered, they've been working together for four or five years. It is toxic to have someone as transparent as me. Now they have a very fear driven culture and I'll get into that. But accountability is another thing I bring accountability. It, that's really what I'm talking about. It's an extension of transparency, holding people accountable. Again, fear driven culture. They're not going to love that efficiency. I want to go fast. It's why I'm here. It's what makes the crazy money you're paying my consulting firm for my efforts worth it. So help me be efficient by being efficient also. Or just say, hey, we got to slow down and I'll be fine. But don't be mad that I'm efficient because efficiency is what runs the world right now. Okay, that's why we love Amazon Prime. So don't be mad that I'm efficient. All of these things... Hey guys, you might already know this, but I am not in the business of providing a random message to a random audience. I am in the business of providing meaningful, impactful messages to those seeking more purpose in life. 
I need your help to do this. I'm inviting you right now to engage in a dialogue with me and to send me ideas, send me thoughts, send me questions, send me issues that you're struggling with that I can speak about on this podcast. Go to my website, chadcanyer.com. It's my name, .com. Go to the contact page, fill out a form. I will get an email and I pledge to get back to you within a week and engage in a dialogue around that topic. I cannot guarantee that I will speak on that on the air because I might be the dumbest guy in the world on that subject, but God knows I will do my very best to engage with you and to provide value, not just to you, but to every single listener, because that is why I'm doing this. Help me make this more purposeful. Now, guys, for me, work is very important. I'm such a, um, I'm such a raw person. Like I bring so much of me into every situation that I can't be at work and not be myself. It's like this conflict starts to be created and I would rather have conflict with the external world than conflict with myself. And in certain environments, they absolutely love that. In in my prior role at the client, they loved that. They loved me, my essence, the way I just operate. In other roles, it does not work because they say, who is this guy? Wow, like this is too much. This is not how we operate. And it doesn't always go well. Now, in this situation, it wasn't like there was this big knockdown drag out fight or anything. In fact, they would never even engage that much to have a knockdown drag out fight. I wish they would actually. But I clashed with this environment. I value transparency. They protect information. That's just how they are, okay? I hold people accountable. No one really wants to be held accountable here. It just wasn't the right deal. And so I started seeing this clash and feeling it. something you feel. When you feel that your culture, the culture you established by being in a room, like your culture, and I have a big, you know, I'm not going to be hiding in the corner. It's just not how I am. I'm just not wired like that. When you start feeling this huge disparity between your culture and the culture you're in, what happens is there's a humility component of that, right? It's great. It's, it's actually very healthy. And this is one thing I took away from the season is like, hey, not everyone's going to like you. It's a great reminder, right? I do believe that I was, over time, you know, I had grown accustomed to just being respected in that prior group, being appreciated, being um allowed to do my thing and like not micromanaged, right? I had earned that. And over time, you start to get a little entitled in that mentality, right? You start kind of feeling a little bit more confident than, um, than you, I mean, definitely more confident than you did in the beginning when you first got there and you were earning your stripes, right? It's kind of a veteran's dilemma, right? You get a little bit of, you get a little bit complacent, you get a little bit entitled, but at the end of the day, you know, you're a leader and you've earned your stripes a little bit. Now, I felt the clash between this culture and my culture hard and where it usually leads me is it's, it leads down to um, an identity issue. Uh, there's, there's loneliness that comes in, right? You feel like, you know, you're looking around and our team is like, we had like a nine person team and I'm looking around and I don't, I can't find a comrade. I can't find like someone who I could vent to or someone who does appreciate my style. See, 
their MO had been so established for so long, again, years, right? That they didn't want new anything. They just kind of want to ride out. This project ends in about a year. So they wanted to kind of ride out, like, this is the culture of the project. Don't try to change anything, man. Like, don't rock the boat kind of thing. I don't want to have to adapt anymore. Just ride it out. And I'm very much like, I don't care if it's the end of the fourth quarter. If we need to make a tweak to win the game, I'm going to try to make a tweak to win the game. (laughs) So like, clash, you know, it's going to be an issue. But I had an identity issue. Like I couldn't, I couldn't settle the discrepancy between my culture and their culture. And so I kept trying different iterations of myself. I kept trying different iterations of like the way our meetings ran. I kept trying to do different things. I I kept, I would even lean in humbly and be like, hey, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand how it's worked in the past? Or can you guide me here? And they essentially ended up using that as, as an opportunity to say, wow, he's really not getting it. And it's been three or four weeks. So so you can kind of start to see like what the culture was like. And it's a, it's a culture that did not appreciate and did not align with my identity flat out. It's just was not a fit and it's no one's fault. It's just not a fit. Now the whole theme of this message is environment, right? Our environments matter a lot, right? You cannot put the most beautiful, lush flower into a garden that has no nutrients in its soil. (laughs) That flower, doesn't matter how beautiful it's supposed to be, doesn't matter how strong its seeds are, it doesn't matter how much rain it can suck in or whatever, it needs strong soil. And sometimes, especially in our culture, we think that if you're beautiful enough, if you're strong enough, if you're rich enough, it doesn't matter where you are. You're just going to completely outshine everything around you. And you're just going to be that bold, beautiful, unhindered, awesome thing. And that's just not reality. And so what happens is I think when we get put in the wrong environments and when our, when our results don't produce like we expected them to, and we have very high expectations of ourselves, very high expectations and very short time window for them to materialize, we get depressed and we start thinking that it's an identity issue. It is not an identity issue. Now, it might be, and you need to dig in to to determine whether it's an identity issue, but it could very well be an environment issue, okay? So what I did in this season, after I kind of realized, it probably took six weeks for me to realize, oh no, this is not a good place for me, right? And I had a few conversations with my superior and I'm not going to go into the details of that, but at the end of the day, you know, it was, it's rocky in any new environment. Transitions are hard no matter what. And so I just didn't get a lot from those conversations. He tried, but it just wasn't a lot. And I got to the point where I said to myself, this isn't going to change anytime soon. And so how am I going to survive this environment? How am I going to, like, I know that I won't be the flower that is blossoming to the extent I know I can blossom because I just had that kind of season in the season prior. I was planted in the right environment around the right people And I felt like a strong, beautiful flower. That's like the most masculine thing I think I've ever said. I felt like a strong, beautiful flower. But I did. 
And then I got uprooted and placed in this kind of this murky, dry garden, not a lot of sunlight and people just, the farmer's asleep. No one cares. The gardener's asleep. Everyone's tired. It's just like, hey, let's just ride this thing out for a year. And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) I started to wither, right? But I think I realized, okay, I'm in this crappy soil for another year, right? In my mind at that time, it was another year. Now, I've made other plans, and there's other gardens I'm going to go get planted in very soon. But at this time, I thought, hey, I have about a year here. How can I survive? It's not about thriving anymore, right? It's not about operating in my ultimate capacity anymore. It's about surviving, right? And it was a very, um, it was a very good edifying season for me um, because I didn't have a clear answer for that question. I tried a lot of different things, like I said, and it wasn't clicking. I could not see how I could persist in this environment. And when we're in that situation, guys, we start to think that we are the problem. And this is why, I think this is why gangs thrive and why like young boys get brought into these gangs and like maybe they don't have a mom or a dad or there's just, there's unrest at home and so the gang becomes their clique, right? And they're accepted there and they just want to be somewhere where they're accepted. Um, we are so culturally driven like we're so communally driven right we want crave need acceptance and so if that's not there we start to flounder and I think we have a choice at that point right we can go down one of two roads road number one is I need to be reminded of my core identity that exists completely outside of any sort of domain that I enter It is immutable. It is something that is inside me that nothing could change. Now, yes, the environment factors, where I grew up, who my parents are, um, you know, the the money we had when I was a baby, all that factors into that. But at this point in time, my identity that has nothing to do with like the job I have and the group I'm in, what is that identity and who defines that identity? Who gave me that identity? What are my gifts? What are my strengths? What are my talents? What are my weaknesses? What are my opportunities? Who am I? Like mirror type stuff. And then there's, so that's path number one where we look at who we are and we get back to the terms of who we are so that in that circle that we're in where we're having trouble, we say, you know what, this circle might be telling me I'm X, Y, Z, but I'm actually A, B, C. Road number two is allowing the environment to dictate your identity. You essentially start molding and mending into anything you have to be in order to survive and thrive and have an identity in the new environment. I think if you don't have a strong understanding of your identity, you don't have someone speaking into your life or you're not willing to pursue the path that I pursued in this trying season for myself, you're going to pick path number two for purpose of survival, for purposes of having some semblance of community, some semblance of self-acceptance, some semblance of acceptance in your circle. But let me tell you what I did because I know where my identity comes from and that's from God. And 
whenever I'm in a difficult season, I go back to God and I don't say, hey, God, fix this situation, right? I mean, yes, there are times when I ask him to fix the situation if it's super jacked up, right? But I also believe that he puts me in these kind of situations to show me things, both about myself and about our world and about himself, right? He's always teaching. He's always showing us. He's always working on us. It's all a journey. And so what I've actually learned to do over the years is to ask, I wonder why he has me here. I wonder what he's showing me instead of why is he here? What is he? What could he possibly be showing me? I'm curious, right? Because there's this underlying trust and that just takes time. But what I did in this season is I spent a lot of time with him. That was not my first response to this season. Trust me. But what happened is that I ran around trying to fix it myself. This is the Chad model, by the way. Run around trying to fix it yourself. Try to have conversations. Try to negotiate with your boss. Try to change the way you operate. Try to, try to maneuver in the situation. Try to negotiate the situation. And once none of that worked, and it only led to confusion and frustration and anger and even a deeper loneliness, I turned to God. And I said, okay. All right, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm confused. I'm scared. This sucks. What do you got? What's going on here? And I just draw close to God. What does that look like? I read my Bible, okay? I am not the best at reading my Bible, okay? But I try to read my Bible. I try to read the stories of the Bible, and I ask myself throughout, what could God be teaching me through this story in the Bible? Um, Old Testament's more stories, New Testament's more like doctrine and things like that's the establishment of the church and the growth of the original church. That's the story of Jesus, obviously. So you're hearing from Jesus. He's teaching you how to live life, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lessons. There's just different nature of lessons in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, but it's all cohesive, right? And so I, I write, I read a little bit of Old Testament. I read a little bit of New Testament. I read a little bit of Psalms, which is David's prayers to the Lord, Um, David was a beast. He's like one of my favorite guys in the Bible. And then I read Proverbs, who was written by the son of David, Solomon, richest dude who ever lived. And he's just got straight wisdom. And so it's kind of a sampling of all these things. And so there's, there's reading your Bible or spending time with God, which for me is usually going on a walk, uh, spending time just listening to, um, music that is, devoted to God and just sitting there and in a dark room and just letting it speak to me and listening to the lyrics and closing my eyes. And this is like me drinking tea at 11 o'clock at night and just everyone's asleep and I'm just on my couch, just listening and letting him speak to me. I journal, right? Um, I just sit down. If I have a thought, I just go with that thought and I start journaling and then I ask questions in there and I, I try to stop and I try to like let him speak to me and there's a million different ways that I hear from God. I hear from God um, walking around. I hear from God driving in my truck. I hear from God when uh, I'm in the shower sometimes. I, I mean, there's, there's no, he's not limited, right? So he can tap in any, any way he wants. It's more about making myself available to him and having a question for him, like, and then giving him time to, to answer the question, right? In any way he wants. Like, it doesn't need to show up a certain way. Like, I have to be open-minded about how it, how it shows up. So I had a little bit of a breakthrough moment um, in this season. Uh, we were taking a lot of trips, and we, we essentially traveled to Florida. We spent a month in Florida. We rented a house in Siesta Key, Florida. Oh, my word, I love Siesta Key, Florida. Right outside Sarasota, right on the water. 
That's my spot. Freaking love it. Uh, we rented a house with, with a pool. It cost way too much money, but it was freaking amazing. And uh, we were there for a month. The kid were like kids were like Florida kids for a month. It was awesome. And had a blast. And then we drove to Dallas. We have a place in Dallas, and so we needed to do some renovations on the place. I wanted to be there to manage the renovations on the place. And so we were there. Uh, we rented a house there. And throughout all that, so that was like eight weeks. Throughout all of that, I was working my tail off to fix my situation. And I was working really hard at work. I was applying for jobs. So I decided at that point, I got to get the hell out of this situation. And I was really running around. I wasn't, I wasn't abiding in God. I wasn't spending time with God. I wasn't letting him speak to me. I was really trying to fix it myself. And even though we were on vacation, and even though we had a lot of fun on that vacation, I was not in a great place. And, um, you know, there were great moments. It's not like I ruined the whole trip. I mean, I don't know. I asked my wife. Maybe I did ruin the whole trip. Uh, but I was not at peace. I was not at peace. There's a church in Dallas called Upper Room. Love it. It's not, I don't even want to call it a church. It is a church. It's a place of God. But this church is different uh, because this church just, they very much trust the Holy Spirit, which is what God gives us to speak to us, to edify us, to change us. And it's this living, breathing spirit. It's awesome. And they just trust it. They, they let it do its thing. And so if you go into this church, uh, whether it's for a sermon, like a regular Sunday service, or just during the week, they have worship all day, every day. It's amazing. You go in there and they're playing music and you can really hear from God in these sessions if you open up your heart and if you, you know, if you're patient and it's okay to go there and be like, I want to hear from God. Now, you don't always hear from God and you definitely don't want to create something and say it was from God because that's just, that's wrong. But you can definitely go there and get a word. Uh, it's called getting a word and getting a word from God. And sometimes it comes through other people who pray over you. Sometimes it comes from some random guy you met in the lobby. That happened to me one time. It was crazy. Uh, but this time it was just something that hit my spirit. It's just something you feel when you allow yourself to enter this, almost this like gray space of you're listening to music, your eyes are closed, you're saying, God, come in, come in. I, I'm, I'm listening. I want to hear from you. I want to be with you. I want to praise you. I want to honor that you created the world, right? It's not about me right now. It's about focusing my eyes on the one thing that I know is real, the one thing that is way bigger than everything that I'm dealing with on this stupid little earth. Like, let's get real with each other. And I heard, as I was about to leave that session, I heard him say, I like you. That's all I heard him say. I, I didn't hear it audibly, but I felt it in my spirit. And I was there for an hour and a half, and I just left with that. But when I heard that, I broke down crying. I, 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 was, I, was, I was actually leaving the church at that moment, and I broke down crying and got in my truck, and I started crying like a freaking madman. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. So I've been a part of this new client or whatever on this new project for, at that point, two or three months, and nothing was working. All my efforts were failing. My efforts to get a new job, like I had a few interviews and stuff, but it's very, getting a new job is just a very stressful and like very uh, disheartening process because you're constantly being evaluated 
And if you don't get a callback, you know, how do you not associate that with your worth? <laughs> like that's, that's like what you've worked at. And so it, it could, it was like negativity there, negativity from the job search, just running around, trying my hardest to make something change, getting bad feedback at work. Cause I'm just not doing very well and getting no help. No one to really honestly talk to about it. Like, and you start to doubt yourself. You start to doubt your abilities. You start to doubt what you bring to the team. You start to doubt whether you were ever really effective or were you in some sort of bubble, you know? And you start questioning whether you're valuable, right? And you start, again, you start changing in order to, in order to have a feeling of identity in the community that you're in, in the circle you're in, in my work, in my work circle for me at the time, just to survive. But you, you hate that because you know that you are changing and you liked you, right? But it's funny, once the world doesn't like you, you don't like you so much. So I needed to go and I needed to hear from God what I needed to hear. And what I needed to hear apparently was, hey, I like you. I'm God. I don't make mistakes, man. Like, I love your personality. I love that you're transparent at work. I love that you hold people, including yourself, accountable at work. I love how efficient you are. I made you efficient. I made you bold and personable and talkative and a leader and the new guy who has the balls to hold someone accountable when they've been on the project for four years. I made you that way and I don't make mistakes. That was amazing to hear. I needed to hear that. So I'm going to pause here for a second. Are any of you in a new environment right now that is not where you feel like you operate at your best? Let me just tell you something, man. There is a time to change for your environment and to see it as a growth opportunity and to see it as a humbling and to see it as, hey, maybe I need to change. And you know in your spirit whether it's changing you in the right direction or the wrong direction. Because something in us also knows what's good for us. So deep in your spirit, you know whether the changes that you're being forced to make, the habits that you're being forced to build, are good for you or bad for you. So ask yourself that question. This new environment, is it changing you in a good way or is it changing you in a bad way? Are you more proud of who you are after being in this environment for a week, a month, a year, whatever it is? Or are you bummed about being in this environment? Second question, if you're bummed about being in this environment right now, why the hell are you still in that environment? God doesn't make mistakes. So yeah, God put you there for a reason, right? But God doesn't make mistakes about who you are. So what are you hanging on to that is restricting you from having the faith to leave an environment that's not good for you? It's okay to leave an environment that is sucking your water from your roots. It's okay to choose a different garden. There is a time to be persevering. There is a time to be strong. There is a time to, to just bite the bullet and get through it. I get it, okay? And I respect you for that. 
But if you're hanging on out of convenience, out of fear, or out of a loss of your self-identity, or out of a loss of your self-confidence and your knowledge of identity, bro, you need to get the hell out of there. And you need to make plans. And that doesn't need to happen overnight, but it's more of a mental decision. I release you from the stronghold of fear that might be keeping you in that environment that is not good for you. Now, see, I dealt with that, right? There was a voice that said, aren't you, aren't you tough enough to change this environment? Aren't you strong enough? Aren't you big enough to change this environment? Aren't you strong? Don't you love your family enough to hang on to this environment to just, you know, be tough and like, you know, get gritty and just kind of, you know, knock it out and just hang in there for another year. Oh, I struggle with that a lot. And then I started realizing that those things are attacks on my character. So that's not from God. Now there is a time, again, there is a time where God says just a little bit longer or like, Hey, I have you here for a reason. I'm doing good things. But no, no, no. In my spirit, every time I went to work, every time I had a feeling of this is a bad environment and you need to get the hell out of here. This is a, this is a toxic, negative, critical environment. You are just not supposed to be planted here. Now you are for a season and you need to, you need to leave it better than you found it. Okay. There's a responsibility factor there, but it doesn't mean you have to just grit your teeth and stay. And it doesn't mean we need to start praising money and comfort and all this crap that keeps us places as an excuse to not have the balls to just say, I'm out. This is not healthy for anybody. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for the group that I'm in. You guys need to see that people that are, <laughs> that are not like you cannot handle this. This is just not a fit. Okay. And so I release you from that. These are so good. These lessons that we learn from hardship. But ultimately, the first lesson that I had from entering this environment that just completely was incongruent with my identity and who I am and how I operate, it was an opportunity for me to be reminded of who establishes my identity and whose opinion of me matters. Guys, whose opinion of you matters most to you? Is it your success's opinion of you? The trophies, the accolades, the metrics, the social media standing, how many followers you have? Is that where you place your identity, your sense of trust, your sense of I'm valuable? Is it your superiors, the people who you report to, the people who you work for? What they say about you, is that just the truth? Because you know they're messed up too. They're flawed. They have identity issues too. They might not have your best interests in mind. I can almost guarantee you because they're human, they don't. It's rare for someone to actually care. And that's just how we're built. All these things. What about your peers? How people view you, right? Just society, culture, how they view you. Is that your identity? So when all of that crashes, right? When, Pete, when everyone hates you socially, and when, ev when your superiors say, you're garbage, <laughs> that's pretty rough. You're garbage, you're fired. You know, when you get fired, right? Let's say you get fired. Let's say every single person who like follows you on social media, every single person connected you online says, dude, you're garbage, I'm out. I'm not following you anymore. Delete my number. I'm not texting you anymore. No more FaceTime. No more late night FaceTimes. I don't know what the hell. 
everybody just checks out. And then all your successes, they're debunked. They're like, you know, your resume at that company is just over. It's done. It's gone. It's your career is nothing. You get fired again, right? Your success. You let's say you get fat. Let's say you lose everything, right? Your health, right? You start deteriorating all of that, right? Everything you're putting your trust in your identity. What if it all went poof overnight? What would you do? Guys, we can't put our faith and our, our sense of identity in things that are a material because things rust, because things break, because things can get stolen, because things erode, okay? And B, we can't put our trust and our sense of identity in things that also have the opportunity to have a, a sense of identity from something else. It's it's a variable equation. It's a It's a moving target. I can't base my identity off of my boss's thoughts of me because my boss's thoughts of me are partly dictated by his sense of identity and his sense of his place in the world. You really want to bank on someone who's equally unstable as you? No, 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 no. These seasons of hardship and transition and new environments, you're the beautiful flower. You're planted in the wrong garden, the wrong soil, dry soil, no nutrients, wrong environment. All of those things are to teach us that we have something under the soil that the soil could never nourish like this thing nourishes. The sun could never bring the energy and the heat that this thing can give us. It's way outside of all those things. All of those things are enveloped within this more central force, this way more powerful source. It's all in God's hands. He destines all of us. He has a plan for all of us, including the dry dirt sometimes. So stop looking at the dirt and the sun and the rain as these critical elements. They're not critical. They're situational. They're circumstantial. And they're all purposed to teach us something. Maybe they're all purposed to show us in good seasons and bad that there is an ultimate life force and he has an identity. He has a knowledge of your identity that puts these things, opinions and these circumstances and these situations and these environments to shame. It means nothing. But he's going to use dry seasons for you to dig deeper for something real. Or you let the environment dictate your identity and when it dies you die too and that's just sad we don't want that i'm going to keep sharing in the next episode what i did in this season beyond being reminded of my identity um, what else this season gave me it has to do with surviving a dry season surviving it and then thirdly i'm going to come back with a separate message and it's going to be about leaving. It's going to be about departure, getting out of these kind of environments. But how do we do that? How do we do that in the right way? How do we do that in a way where we don't look back and have regrets? How do we do that? What's the best way to do that? And what do we learn from those transitions as well? Right? Guys, I'm excited about honestly just being back here. I'm excited about being able to share this kind of thing with you. And I'm excited uh, to continue sharing 
what I've learned through this recent really difficult season. Um, that's my whole thing, right? I'm not here to tell you this is the definition of success. This is my formula for success. No, no, no. That's everywhere out there. Okay. There, I want to be different and I just, I naturally am different. I want to show you my scars. I want to share with you what's going on in my life as I pursue this purposeful manhood thing. Guys, I'll say this every episode if I have to, but it's not about sharing a definition of success. Too many people do it, okay? We're all figuring this thing out. What I want to do is I want to use the scars, the things I'm going through, the things I've gone through, the, the pain I have felt, the victories I've had as well, to shed light on what this is all about, what manhood is about, what faith is all about, how we can perceive God differently based on things he's showing me and teaching me through the good and the bad. And the spirit behind all of this is to equip you and to encourage you wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you might be going through. And so thank you for tuning in and uh, I'm going to be more consistent now because I got some passion behind what I'm doing now. That's one thing that comes out of the difficult seasons is they relight the fire for what you're truly passionate about, what you feel like you're put on earth for. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Saddled Stallion podcast. That's it, guys. Be strong, be humble, walk in purposeful manhood. <laughs>